0: We'll work closely with you before and after you get your loan to make sure you get what you need to succeed. The Vermont Community Loan Fund makes loans to early-stage
1: companies and established businesses ready to take the next step. We lend to farms and food producers, high-tech businesses, manufacturers, retailers, childcare businesses, affordable housing developers, service providers, and other nonprofit organizations. We make loans to Vermonters doing business right here at home and around the world.
0: So if you're looking for financing to help your growing business, look at the Vermont Community Loan Fund. Visit us online at investinvermont.org. That's investinvermont.org. It's
2: time to get the story behind the story. Interviews with newsmakers, newsbreakers,
0: and your phone calls. Radio Vermont presents the Mark Johnson Show. Good
2: morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Thanks for tuning in. It's Monday. Thanks for spending part of your morning with us coming up on the program here. In just a moment here, we're going to kick off an important discussion about what is a very uh, prevalent virus out there. And we're going to tell you why particularly parents out there might want to be paying attention this morning. You can uh, join us throughout the uh, week on the program. We've got another big week coming your way. And you can join us at two four four seventeen seventy seven is our local number. toll free eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. Let me just give you a couple of previews of coming attractions here for the week. Uh, among the topics we're going to be talking about, we're going to talk about Russia. We're going to talk to a, uh, the author of a book called The Food Activist. And coming up on Wednesday, I'm really looking forward to a discussion with a guy who's written a book called In Defense of Selfishness. Boy, I can't wait to take this dude down. All right, so uh, again, our phone number's on the program, and you can reach us at 244-1777, toll-free 877-291-8255. You're also welcome to send me an email. I don't really check that often during the program. I try to pay attention to our guests. But if that's the only way you can reach us, fire away a question at Mark, M-A-R-K, at gmavt.net. All right, let's give a nice warm radio Vermont welcome this morning to Allison Hicks. Allison runs the Allison Hicks Foundation. Also joining us is Dr. Erica Gibson who uh, is a pediatric in the Department of Pediatrics up at the University of Vermont Children's Hospital. And we're going to talk this morning about the HPV uh, virus and also we're going to talk about cervical cancer and we're going to talk about a vaccine that's out there. And again, our phone number is 244-1777, toll-free 877-291-8255. Uh, let's begin with you, Allison. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Mark? <laughs> How's me, it going?
3: Me and my raspy voice are here this morning. Yeah,
2: I'm glad. What, what are you taking here? I'm glad you brought a lot of halls with you this Yeah. That's <laughs> probably a good idea. Uh, can you tell our listeners um, your story?
3: Yeah, so... I was diagnosed with cervical cancer in 2004. Um, pretty quickly, it was uh, diagnosed within, you know, uh, immediately the doctor saw tumors on my cervix just uh, by looking with his naked eye. Uh, and I was rushed right over to oncology. And I'd say within five days, I was in the hospital having a radical hysterectomy. Um, I had many complicated post-surgical procedures that left me in the hospital for about 21 days with a large uh, abdominal wound. And uh, after that, I healed up. And a few months later, uh, I started chemo and radiation.
2: Okay. Then what happened?
3: Um, I got bummed out. I got really sad that uh, not necessarily depressed, I got sad that there was no one there to explain to me what happened. I don't didn't ever hear about HPV. I was, it was coming up a lot in the conversations of why the cervical cancer had developed. Um, I was thinking, well, I should know this. I mean, I'm a educated girl. I'd been going to the doctor. I had been getting pap tests. Why don't I know this? Why don't my friends know about this? If this is common for the doctor to talk about, then everyone else should be knowing this. And so that really instigated me to start a campaign um, to make sure that nobody else would go through
1: what I went through.
2: Uh, Erica, thanks for joining us. How are you this morning?
1: I'm fine, thanks.
2: So how, um, how prevalent is this? How often are you seeing this in your practice?
1: So I'm actually a pediatrician and an adolescent medicine specialist. Um, and uh, I'm in the business of Gosh, trying Gosh, that's funny. To... I am
2: too. Isn't that
1: amazing? <laughs> a lot of people are, especially if they have adolescents in their families. Hmm. <laughs> so I'm actually in the business of trying to prevent um, HPV infection. Uh, we know now um, that it's a sexually transmitted disease and is one of the major causes of cervical cancer and other cancers, penile cancer, anal cancer, oropharyngeal cancer, vulvar cancer, also causes genital warts, and we know that it's sexually transmitted. So um, we have a couple ways of being sure people don't get this virus. We can um, encourage people not to have sex at all which is a bit hard to do because most people eventually end up having sex. Um, We can encourage people when they do have sex to have protected sex using condoms, although that um, only prevents transmission of HPV around 70% for a variety of reasons. Um, But we can also... um, give people this new HPV vaccine which actually is not so new anymore it was initially approved in 2006 um, and it doesn't prevent the spread of all HPV viruses because there are over a hundred of them right. but the um, current vaccines that are out now there are two and one is just about to become available there's one that prevents transmission of two virus types, one that prevents transmission of four virus types and the new one which should be available any second prevents transmission of nine virus types Okay. Um, and then beyond that we can do um, screening for HPV infection through pap smears um, which it's important for women to start doing routinely starting at age 21 um, unless they have immunosuppression or another issue which mandates they get screened a little earlier than that um
2: I had no idea this is the most prevalent sexually transmitted disease out there and and that everybody apparently gets it in your lifetime, but not necessarily has it. Uh, I'm not sure what the correct term is, but it doesn't fully develop.
1: Right, right. And we, in fact, know that most people get it between ages 20 to 24 and some on the younger end and some just beyond that period. But up to, uh, in some studies show, up to 80% of women have been exposed to the HPV virus. Um,
2: okay. W- why do some people have it turn into cancer?
1: So, um... They still don't know exactly why. The fact is many people clear the HPV viruses on their own with their own immune system, and they can do that often within one to two years' time. For some reason, the high-risk virus types um, that cause cancer stick around. They ta- take a long time to develop into cancer, uh, which is why if you do contract it and you're doing routine screening, you can usually catch it earlier. Um, but there's something in the physiology of how the virus embeds in the epithelial cells and uh, how and why it stays there and then how and why it grows at a later date into cancer. Mm-hmm. That's not fully understood yet.
2: Mm-hmm. Allison, you know, what was sort of mind-blowing to me too is that, I mean, there really, there's not symptoms. I mean, you didn't know until it was pretty well advanced.
3: Right. Excuse me. You're correct. Uh, there, there aren't any symptoms until I, you are already have it, have cancer, which I found out later, right? So I started having symptoms which was I started hemorrhaging Um, and I obviously that was not normal and I uh, didn't feel comfortable um, but I thought it was something to do with my menses and my period being wacky and so I went to see my gynecologist and we were addressing issues that were on that vein. I mean nobody was thinking, you know, cervical cancer they were thinking, oh you're You have, um, you know, semi-irregular ovulation. Let's put you on birth control and get your period back to normal, Um, which never, you know, never happened uh, in the sense of it didn't get corrected. And that just ultimately brought us back to the path of, wait, let's do some more diagnostics um, and and a a full full exam, um, which was hard to do. Generally, you don't have a pelvic exam while you have your period or your memfit, your, your, excuse me, your menses. But, um, you know, I said, let's just do it. And uh, so once we got up on the table, that's what happened. And uh, it was rather hard because um, it was I, you know, I, I was hemorrhaging, but once we got in, in there and they could see that there was tumors all over, that made sense, that's why I was bleeding, and then we could do something directly about it.
2: hmm But you said you'd been having regular pap smears.
3: I had been, yeah.
2: Okay. So, why, why wasn't, why didn't that get detected?
3: I don't really, um, no per se, you know, I can't, um... I know that cancer, um, cervical cancer can grow slowly. It's generally not a fast-growing cancer. Um, I tend to just not think about that because it happened and I, I found out the way I found out. Um, uh, that's an anomaly, let's say, yeah. so I don't think my case is a good case to use as a standard um, Generally, what I learned is that you really have to advocate for yourself. Make sure that you get your records back. Make sure you get an answer from your doctor. Like you go in and you get your pap test. You know they they'll say we'll send you something or we'll call you. We'll call you. Um, make sure that that actually happens instead of. Um, You know, leaving it on them, call back in a few days yourself or a week, make sure you get the answer. And then again, um, follow up with them, make sure you get it in writing, um, and keep your health um, part of your job is to keep yourself um, healthy. And you can do the best you can by educating yourself, but but like making a commitment to um, talk with your doctors and know what you want to get before you go into the doctors make a plan with them, your health plan, get your pap test, um, get your HPV test, and then know when you're leaving how you're going to get your records and find out. Because mm-hmm. potentially there's gaps in those places where people think they went, and uh-huh. uh, okay, everything's fine because I didn't hear anything, and right. maybe, maybe they were waiting for you to call in, maybe your address is wrong. You know, things get left uh, in different ways, and... Uh, you yeah. know mistakes happen yep
2: yeah. i mean the reason i ask is that uh, all the literature says that one of the things that you have to do is to get regular pap tests and that that is the way that it's it seems to be the way it's detected more than anything else
3: it's the, yeah, it's it's the primary way. I mean, that's exactly what a, the the pap test is de- designed exactly for that to go in and scrape off some of the cells of the, inside the cervix to come out and put on a slide to read if they have any abnormal, well, it's not a slide anymore, but um, to see if the, sli- the cells have changed. Mm -hmm. And if they're abnormal in any way, which could be because the HPV virus has been present, um, that shows an indication that there are potential problem.
2: If you have any comments or questions, you can join us at 244-1777. That's our local number in Central Vermont. You can also reach us on our toll-free lines at 877-291-8255. We've been talking with Allison Hicks and Dr. Erica Gibson. We're talking about uh, HPV. I mean, the fact that there are no symptoms on this until it's kind of really late in the ballgame, I don't know, it seems unusual for, for most diseases, even most cancers. Fair to say?
1: Um, No, I don't think it's unusual, Um, but it's the way this particular virus and cancer works. So, um, doing the routine screening and being sure you get results and know next steps um, is really important. So, and that is um, the role of both your provider and yourself to make sure you're working together to be sure that happens. And I always encourage people to ask a lot of questions. Um, It's interesting because we used to do pap smears a lot earlier on young women, we um, used to do them as soon as people started. initiating sexual activity but as they learned more about the HPV virus and the fact that it's directly linked to cancer and learned that most people fight it off themselves Mm -hmm. but there are a few who um, keep the high-risk strains and can progress to cancer but it progresses slowly has led to us doing pap smears a little later um, but still doing them routinely um, after the age of 21
2: okay is there a way to get this other than sexual contact
1: theoretically you know um, that it is possible um, for example not you know just traditional sex but genitals up against each other or you know maybe use of yeah fingers or sex toys but there's not a lot of uh... data on that so okay. most of the research is based on sexual intercourse whether it's you know penis vagina penis anus. Now, oral sex.
2: It, uh, the, a lot of the information, a lot of the news stories of late talk about how this is not just something that affects girls and women. Exactly. But most of the cases, fair to say, are female.
1: Well, so it's interesting because, as I mentioned earlier, there are a variety of types of cancer that are associated with HPV virus. And cervical cancer in women is one of the main ones and most common ones. And that's because, uh, well, I should even correct that statement to say people with a cervix. Because some people might identify as being trans, but, you know, maybe a trans man, but still have... Female um, reproductive organs. Uh, But we also see oropharyngeal cancer in both men and women. Um, We see anal cancer. uh, We see vulvar cancer. Penile cancer, although although a much smaller percentage. And then there are also genital warts, which both men and women can get, uh, which can be um, painful, very distressing, don't fully go away once they're treated, might come back again. Um, so it's important for um, young men to get this vaccine also, mm-hmm. not only because they can have complications and cancers also, but obviously... Uh, the virus is going back and forth between sexual partners no matter what sex they are
2: so if a boy gets vaccinated he's not going to be capable of transmitting it to a female right and it's particularly from what i've been reading and hearing about it's throat cancer that's really the big thing with men
1: right Exactly, exactly. The numbers are larger in terms of um, oropharyngeal cancer. Um, In men, um, in a study from 2014 um, in the United States, uh, the number of oropharyngeal cancers in men was 5,900, and in women, uh, just 1,500.
0: Okay,
2: all right. And at what age should boys and girls get the vaccination?
1: So um, the current vaccines are approved to be given starting as early as nine years old. But it's actually on the childhood vaccination immunization schedule that's recommended by the Centers for Disease Control to get the first dose at 11 or 12 years of age. That's um, an office visit where young people get a variety of other vaccines. And... It's not just one vaccine, though. It's a series of three vaccines. So, um, while we find, you know, a percentage of people get the first vaccine, the percentages of people that get the second and third dose of the vaccine are much lower in this country and in Vermont. And so we are working as a public health system and as physicians on making sure people get in to get the full series completed, because that's really important. Why is
2: that happening? Why are they only getting one out of the three?
1: Well, I think it's complex. We're actually looking at this in Vermont because we'd like to increase our rates. Um, One of the initial things we talked about was that when... Children are younger. They come in much more routinely for well visits. They need a lot of vaccines, but once they get into those early adolescent years, they they tend to start coming to the doctor less often and they have less sort of required visits for vaccinations. By that time, they've gotten their series of vaccinations that are required for them to attend school, for example. Um, And Given the fact that it's a three-dose series, you get a dose initially, then you need to get a second dose in one or two months, and then you need a third dose at least six months from the first dose, if that makes sense. If you're just really coming in because you're a healthy young person once a year, then um, you have to make an effort or you're doctor's office has to make an effort to get you in in between just to get caught up on those shots and um, not all offices have systems in place to do that but it's something we're hoping to work on in this state to give people ideas for how to make that happen more efficiently
2: Hmm. i'm a little puzzled here because if i'm a doctor and you just came in and got the first shot i think i would say to you before you left you need to come back in x amount of time and when you go out to the receptionist make an appointment
1: right not everyone does that okay. routinely. How They'll say, you need to come back in a year for your next well visit. Um, but it's ideal if they say, we gave you this shot and this shot and this shot today. You're done with this first one, but you need two more of the second. So we're just going to schedule you for a nurse visit in a month for the second. And then we'll let you know when you need the following one. Okay. Um,
2: Is the first one that you get targeted towards this really deadly... I think it's number 16 or something that sounds like right. it's a really bad
1: one. So uh, we use the quadrivalent vaccine <laughs> for the most part. Um- currently, although we all should be shifting to the nine-valent vaccine shortly. And the quadrivalent vaccine covers um, HPV virus types 6 and 11, which are considered more low risk and cause the genital warts, and then also 16 and 18, which are the two that cause 70% of cervical cancers. Um, So that's what's in the quadrivalent vaccine we currently use. The new nine-valent vaccine um, will cover an additional five high-risk types that cause another 20% of cervical. Cancer, so we should have 90% coverage of the viruses that causes cervical cancer in that newer vaccine.
2: Maybe people think that if they've gotten that first shot and it covers that really super deadly one, that they're got most of it covered.
1: Well, it's the same vaccine each time right it's uh, and it's the same dose each time so it's the same It's just yeah so you know when um, when we look at vaccines and Mm. how they work we're trying to build up enough antibody in the system to fight the virus and in this particular vaccine type you need three doses of it you know exactly this much time apart in order for it to be effective and one thing that's really important to know is that um, the younger a person is when they get this vaccine the more antibody they build up to fight it Um, and that's Something people often don't realize um, when we talk about giving it to a young person who's 11 or 12 and um, you know hasn't had sex yet, but that's because it's important to give it before they have sex, before they're exposed, and at a time when they're going to build up the most antibody possible.
2: Okay, so I didn't understand this initially. So the three tests, the three vaccines are actually all targeting the same. Yes, strain. it's the
1: same dose of the same vaccine. You just need three of them instead of just one.
2: If you get just one out of the three are you protected
1: a little bit but not ideally
2: okay yeah what does that mean a little bit i mean you're either protected it's better or- than
1: nothing but you know it's not going to build up enough antibody to confidently fight off the virus to the degree it needs to to prevent cancer or warts or
2: okay do you have any thoughts on this allison about how you get people to you know follow through and get the the second and the third one i mean i know you've been doing a lot of work on this
3: um, I do just like Eric was saying like the, there's a disconnect between what happens in the doctor's office and then like coming out and going to the nurses or the administrative staff who are then doing the follow-ups right so there's a piece there that's missing the doctors might even say here's or the nurse most often who's giving the shot okay I'll see you back in a month or I'll see you back in like four months I mean that's that said um, and they mean it, Um, it's
1: casual but that's not their job particularly to do the follow up Right. Erica's going to chime in for a second except that there are better systems now for arranging that for example we have an electronic medical record that we use and um, when a patient gets ready to leave the office we go in and type in when they need to come back and what for so if I see an 11 year old for a well visit and they got their HPV dose number one I type in return for nurse visit for second HPV dose in one to two months and then when they check out it is right there for the person at the desk to read and then they schedule the visit. Now, it's then on the parent and the family to remember to come back but we also have reminders in place to let people know you know, a call the day before or something in the mail, please come in for your next um, vaccine visit. As I said, not everyone uniformly has systems like that in place. The other thing that's helpful and we can do more easily now with electronic medical records is You can get a pop-up that tells you everything a patient is due for in terms of maybe screening tests or vaccinations at each visit. So, if I have someone come in with a sprained ankle or really bad menstrual cramps or severe headaches, I will always scan their vaccine list and see what they're due for. And if they're not feeling so horribly sick and they're up for it at that visit, I'll always say... Well, your ankle sprained. this is what we're going to do to fix that, but looks like you're due for your second HPV shot and yeah. your second um, meningitis shot today, so we, can we go ahead and give those to you? And most of the time, people say yes, and it moves us right along. And again, that's something people don't always have systems built in to do in their offices or, you know, with our demanding um, climate in medical offices and yeah. seeing a lot of patients, 15 yeah. minute visits. Sometimes yeah. it's hard for people to convince themselves they have time to do one more thing, but that is an area uh, where we could work on and you do know, a little I better.
2: Was, I was thinking the exact same thing when you were talking about that. You know, There are too many of these doctor office visits where you go in with a sprained ankle and that. I can remember going in and the, the doctor said, I can only deal with one problem today. So, you know, they deal with the sprained ankle and then move on to the next 90 one of their 90 patients for the day
1: yeah it can be very frustrating both for the physicians or providers and the patients yeah no i, I agree. Know,
2: it sounded like i was mad at the physicians i i know it's frustrating <laughs> for them too uh we're gonna take a short break we'll come back and t- continue our discussion uh before we do let's mention when the movie is and where oh, it great. is and great! So um
3: the hicks foundation in, um, in honor of helping everyone understand this disease a little bit more and using other uh, forms of media, there's a movie coming out called Someone You Love, the HPV Epidemic. It's an award-winning documentary. It'll be this Wednesday, June 3rd, 5.30 to 8 p.m. up at UVM's Medical Center in the Davis Auditorium. There'll be plenty of uh, information on how to find it. The parking is free. We're covering it. There's going to be free food there. And the event and is open to anyone. Kids 13 and over are welcome. Um, I would love to see everyone come out. We have a room for 150 people. I have food for 150 people. I'd love to see you there. And we have tons of information for anyone to pick up if you have questions after that. Um, and I am there to answer any questions as well. I look forward
2: to seeing you. We'll take a short break. We'll come back and continue our discussion right after these important announcements. Hello folks, this is Dave at Better Power Equipment in Waterbury. Stop in and test drive our new arrivals from Cub Cadet Lawn and Garden Tractors. They steer so
0: easily, it's almost unbelievable. No more fighting with a steering wheel. And you'll love Cub Cadet's rugged new fabricated mower decks. We also have zero-turn mowers that get the job done fast, and they're safer on hills. And baggers to suck up all those grass clippings, even the pine needles. You just can't beat a Cub Cadet product from Better Power Equipment in Waterbury. Period.
4: Are you a flavor junkie? Do you have discerning taste or just really opinionated taste buds? Well, if so, and you're 18 or older, the Curie Green Mountain Sensory Test Center wants to hear from you. Join us at our facility in Waterbury Center for ongoing tasting sessions. And be the first to experience innovative foods, beverages, and other products before you see them in the grocery aisle. Tasting sessions happen every week and only take 30 to 45 minutes. Each time you visit, you'll receive rewards such as Amazon gift cards and Keurig.com discounts, plus incentives to shop and eat locally while you're in town. Who doesn't want the opportunity to have fun and get rewarded at the same time? All you have to do is tell us what you think. There's no experience necessary to participate. You just need to be 18 or older and love trying new things. Become a Keurig Green Mountain taste tester today and let your voice be heard. Give us a call at 882-2500 and don't forget to tell your friends. Dads and grads, two great reasons to celebrate. Make sure to include Ben & Jerry's ice cream in the festivities. For dad, how about a custom ice cream cake made with his two favorite flavors between layers of cookies or brownies topped off with your message written in hot fudge. Or for the graduate, how about a Ben & Jerry's ice cream party at your doorstep? Treat your extended family and friends to our euphoric flavors served in cups, cones, or an all-out Sunday bar. Let us come to you to set up, scoop up, and clean up. Bring on the good times, include Ben and Jerry's in the fun. Call 882-2034 or find us on Facebook. Want to make your spring special? Maybe you've been waiting to purchase a new vehicle or home, add a room, or fix up your house. Or maybe you would like some extra cash to celebrate the end of winter. Granite Hills Credit Union can help make your dreams come true with our many loan programs. We offer some of the best rates available on auto loans, mortgages, and home equity loans. We can also refund finance your existing loan with payments that
3: meet your financial needs our no surprise visa card gives you a great rate with no unexpected fees not a member of granite hills not a problem we are open to anyone who lives or works in washington or orange counties apply online at granitehills.org or call today to take advantage of our many loan programs
0: at granite hills your hometown credit union The is
2: you. Granite Hills Credit Union is an equal housing lender and is federally insured by the NCUA. Back continuing our discussion, we've been talking this morning about the human Papliovo virus. Take get that right? Hepeloma virus. virus. HPV. God, I knew there was. A, short. I had no prayer on that. It, we're just sticking with HPV. <laughs> I think everybody knows what that is. So, what uh, we're talking with Allison Hicks of the Hicks Foundation, and also that was uh, just uh, Dr. Erica Gibson, so nicely and gently correcting me. <laughs> so, what's in the documentary, Allison? What are we going to learn in that?
3: The documentary is really amazing. Um, it is following five uh, women. Uh, th- three of which are my peers and my survivor friends, who I um, do as much advocacy work with, um, and who help me up and hold me when things are dark, and I do the same for them through this journey of forever recovering, um, being a survivor. So the movie is following them around from diagnosis to treatment to death for some of them. Three of us are still alive. I have a small cameo in the movie. Um, It talks a lot with experts about HPV, about cervical cancer. Um, It doesn't talk, you know, about guidelines and um, any of the the procedures that go on in the process. It's an emotional film. Um, It talks about real life, what happens, like who takes care of you when you get sick? What are the burdens of cancer? The questions of cost of health care, the cost on the family of taking care of somebody and bringing it all back down to the reality of this is really preventable. So we have so many cancers that we have little control over. Obviously control over many things is a challenge, but if you can do anything to help your family, the women, the men in your life to lower the burden of having this disease, which has a huge impact financially and emotionally on a whole community with one person being ill, um, I believe that you should do that. And so this is a beautifully well done. It's about won about seven awards, film awards, um, Carmel Film Festival, North Hollywood Film Festival. Um, Apparently other people like it. And it uh, it's intense, but it feels really good, and um, the idea is to bring us together to educate us in a different format. I think people learn in different ways other than you can hear, you have audio, you read stuff. Yep. Uh, this is going to be another way that you can um, take that information and apply it to your life, and I, ideally, I want to show it to you for free so that you can help save a life.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And again, tell people when it is.
3: Uh, The movie is this Wednesday, June 3rd. It's up at UVM at their Davis Auditorium, 5.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. We're going to have plenty of free food. Um, It's at the Vermont Medical Center. And um, free drinks and free parking, actually. So... Just drive right into the medical center, park downstairs, we'll give you a voucher on the way out. There'll be signs to get there. There'll be lots of tables there with information from Planned Parenthood, from Pediatric Health, from the Cancer Center, from the Hicks Foundation, covering lots of questions about HPV for uh, cervical cancer and the other cancers that it's related to. And I generally just want people to come and have a a good time. Think of it as an educational series and a free date night.
2: Doc, should this be mandatory, this vaccine?
1: Um... That's a good question, and people have been debating that. Um, one reason think about, people think about mandating vaccines is they know it's a way to improve coverage rates, right and this is a cancer. this is a cancer preventing vaccine that's pretty amazing. People have been dreaming of ways to prevent cancer forever um, so it's uh, something to think about it's just recommended at this point um, all
2: right, so kind of maybe yes, maybe no?
1: Yeah. Right. I'd say so. Okay. There's still, there, there are a variety of opinions. I think the important thing is to really consider it. It's really, really safe. And um, if you are at all at risk for getting HPV, which anyone who eventually has you know, sex in their lifetime will be, this is a really easy, safe way to prevent getting the HPV virus and one of these cancers or genital warts. But it needs to still be done in con- conjunction with getting routine screening.
2: You say that it's safe. Uh, and you know, I mean, people are very concerned about the safety of vaccines. No negative consequences of this? No negative side effects?
1: So anytime uh, vaccines are studied and approved for use in the public, they do study what they call adverse events. And we do know with this vaccine that people can get some soreness um, at the site of injection. Um, people can um, have some syncope or feel lightheaded um, and might need to rest a little bit after getting it. Um, but otherwise, there have been no other serious adverse events that have been directly linked to getting this vaccine there were reports of linked events but those are studied very carefully um, and they've found that there's no difference between those who've gotten the vaccine and those in the general population in terms of having more serious side effects Mm -hmm. but that's you know a sensitive and very difficult Issue
2: two four four seventeen seventy seven is our local number. Toll free eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. Let's go to uh, Sudbury. Mike, good morning. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm fine. I have a question for the physician. Okay. I would like to know if this papilloma virus is the same virus that causes cold sores and skin tags.
1: Oh, so that's a good question. The virus that causes cold sores is actually the herpes simplex virus and there is a type 1 and a type 2 so that's different and we do not have a vaccine yet for that Um, but um, there are over 100 types of HPV viruses and some of those do cause just the general warts you can get on your body
0: so that's I mean I'm 71 now so I've been uh, I've had skin tags all my life
1: Mm hmm. So,
0: it's normal. Yes. Okay,
2: thank you. Yeah. Yeah, and you made it to 71. Nice. Yes, well done. Thank you for your call. Uh, Is this something adults should get? this HPV, the the vaccine?
1: So that's a good question. It's approved in uh, women up to age 26. It's improved in young men up to age 21 but can be given to young men up to age 26 and should be given to Young men up to age 26 who have some form of immunosuppression. Um, They did do some studies in people ages 26 to 45, and they found that the immune response uh, just was not quite as strong as when the young people got it. So they didn't have enough evidence to say adults should get it.
2: Okay. All right
1: does so that make
2: sense all right so basically it's too late for for if you're over if you're over twenty six you're on your own
1: to a certain degree but um people can have that conversation with their doctor it's not f d a approved but they can ask about it okay. Sometimes I have parents ask about it when I'm giving the vaccine to really? the child.
2: Really, isn't that interesting? And yeah. do you agree to give it to them or not?
1: Well, I am in a pediatrician's office, so oh. I only
2: okay take Deal care with of the young kids. people. Yes. If you get all three shots, how effective is the vaccine?
1: It's very, very effective. Um,
2: I, I don't know what "very, very effective"
1: um, means. I'm forgetting the percentiles exactly, but it's you know upwards and you know ninety percent effective in preventing. Um, Cervical cancer in particular and others also. That data is out there. It's um, available on the CDC website. They have a great site specific to HPV uh, with a lot of information. And there are a number of scholarly research articles that continue to come out because as the vaccine has now been given consistently for almost 10 years, they're able to look at people that got it that long ago and see um, if they're still protected and we do know so far that people are still protected up to eight to ten years past having gotten the original series and um, in fact that might be a longer time frame as they continue to study people
2: okay I'm a little confused on this so, that the vaccine only lasts for a certain period of time? It's effective for a certain period of time?
1: So, it's a new vaccine whenever, you know, relatively speaking compared to others we know. Um, and they're taking a look at the immunogenicity far out from getting the vaccine series because they might find out at some point that immunogenicity wanes or gets lower. And okay. a booster vaccine might be recommended. I we see. do that for some other vaccines now. So people get a meningitis vaccine initially, and we recommend a booster at age 16 to 17 now before they head off to college or young adulthood because we know the protection has fallen off a little bit from okay. the original vaccine. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I, it was an incredibly illogically stupid question that I asked you given that it just started in 2006. So, I mean, because how no, would you know question. It, well, how would you know it was more effective than 10 years if it hasn't even been around for 10 years? Right. right.
1: So they are continuing to to um, look into that. Right. And that, they will.
2: That was a criticism of me, not you.
1: No, I know, but I I also just want to make the point that there are no stupid questions around these sort of complicated medical issues.
2: Well, thank you. Um, So has it has there been any in those tests that you were just talking about? Has there been any indication that your ability to fight it off decreases at all over that period of time that like 10 year period of time that we know about already?
1: Mm, I can't remember offhand what the numbers show, but the numbers show that it sufficiently still protects that far out. Whether okay. there's a small percentage drop or not, I'm not sure.
2: All right, how significant is the improvement in the protection? You said that the younger that you get it, the better the protection is. Can you quantify that in any way for me?
1: Um, there are specific numbers in the study, um, but once again, they're a complex set of different numbers, um, and they're just higher when you get it younger in terms of how effective it is in boosting your immune response if you get the HPV vaccine.
2: Okay. How? Um, tell me about your foundation and what you think you've done that's been effective here.
3: That's a nice lofty question. Um, what do you, I, to,
2: do you want to think about it for a minute? We can take a phone call. All that. right, I'll think about Let's, it for We'll a think about that. Let's uh, go to East Montpelier. Uh, Giannis, good morning. Hi, a uh, question for your guest. Yeah. Uh, is it too
0: late if a, a young lady is 17, junior in high school, and has had sex? Is it too late? The
1: first shot. No, absolutely absolutely not. We encourage everyone to go ahead and get the series up to age 26, so you could even get your first shot when you're 26, and then continue and get your second and third um, when you're a little bit older. Um, That's good, maybe I and it doesn't matter if you've already had um, sex and might have been exposed to the virus before, because as I said, there are so many different kinds, and we don't know which uh, virus type in particular someone might have been exposed to. So it's better to be safe than sorry and get the vaccine to boost um, the immune response to fight it. Does yeah. that make sense? Thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank
2: you, Jonas. I'll go back. That's a- great question 244-1777 is our local number toll free eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. so what i heard you say there doctor is that if you have already been exposed even if you've already been exposed to the virus if you get the vaccine that will somehow build up your immune system to better fight it off like it's supposed to and usually does
1: it could still help absolutely so up to age 26 ask for it and your doctor should be offering it and checking to see if you've gotten it yet.
2: Okay. The the Hicks Foundation, so what do you think you've actually accomplished in doing this?
3: I think we've done uh, a lot about bringing awareness to HPV uh, just in the state of Vermont in the last uh, eight years. I think when I uh, was diagnosed, nobody knew anything about it, and I really am proud and believe that I had a huge part of um, finding other legislators, uh, health department partners um, to learn about it and then advocate about it and just rally around um, making it the forefront of information for people to be, you to make it available for people to understand and um, accessible. Um, I also believe that I want to take barriers away from people from getting um not getting screened. So the other part of our, you know, our education piece is, you know, having these movies, having HPV parties where we can discuss things. Um, once you do that, you want to get screened. So. We set up free screening days. We try to partner with private practices um, in Burlington. We've had a lot of success working with um, affiliates, uh, ob um, we with Maytree. We've also had great work with um, Planned Parenthood when we've done um, really large screening days all around the state. Uh, that's one of the, the harder issues is getting um, actual practitioners in the state to open up their doors to allow us... Um, a location. The Hicks Foundation is not medical providers. We are just like a, a liaison who helps set up and find practitioners in each community. There has to be an ownership in that area, and we want the community members to ask for it, to be educated about it, and then show up to get screened and vaccinated. And then they can pass on through educated knowledge to their children, to their friends, to their granddaughters, what it takes to be a healthy woman.
2: Two four four seventeen seventy seven is our local number toll-free eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five We go to Burlington Barry, Good morning
0: yes, good morning. This is Mark. I just tuned in there too long ago. I didn't hear the beginning of the program, but a question for the doctor mm-hmm. uh and the question is uh obviously she's been involved in this uh we'll say virus and situation, and has she ever heard of uh Bethany Strauser Deuca? She's an MD. She did research on this virus uh, a number of years ago. Hmm. Can you repeat
3: her name again, Bethany? Yeah.
0: Be- Bethany Strausser. Don't ask me to spell it. That's <laughs> fine. And then their uh, married name is Della Duca.
3: And and she did research on this in
0: on on the virus when, when she got her PhD degree on it.
1: I am not familiar with that
0: name and that research. Where's where
2: she? Where's she at, Barry? Oh, she
0: she did this research at the University of Pennsylvania. Okay. And she is now uh, a teaching physician uh, at Northwestern University in Chicago.
2: Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. And I'm just mentioning if you hadn't heard of her, uh, this could be a contact for, we'll say, additional information. Uh, Possibly. She's my daughter-in-law. That's the only reason why I'm mentioning
1: her. Okay. (laughs) Okay, thank you very much. Wow,
2: great. What a great connection, huh? Uh, Okay, that's all I know. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you for your call. 244-1777 Two four four seventeen seventy seven is our local number. Toll free 877-291-8255. Watch. You're going to probably bring, you know, th- two of you are going to come back in a year with her and you're going to be all pals and everything.
3: <laughs> High five to the women doing the work.
2: <laughs> uh, so, um, again, before I forget, let's mention, we got to mention the movie again. I have just a couple of other questions for you.
3: So the movie's this Wednesday. Um, please, everyone, come. It's free to the public. Um, Someone You Love, The HPV Epidemic. It is playing at the University of Vermont Medical Center in the Davis Auditorium. It is Wednesday, June 3rd, 5.30 to 8 p.m. The movie will start around 6.10. We will have uh, lots of free appetizers and information tables for people to browse and look around and eat some food and then we're going to settle down and watch a 40-minute
1: movie
2: so doctor is it fair to say this is an epidemic
1: oh yes i think it is absolutely why because it's the most common sexually transmitted disease we have in this country in this world um and um You know, we know about 10,000 women in this country are diagnosed with cervical cancer um, every year. 4,000 die. That's a lot of people. Um, And the numbers are even higher in other less developed countries where people don't necessarily have access to protecting themselves during sex with barrier protection. Also, don't necessarily have access to good cervical cancer, cancer screening. Um, And being able to offer this vaccine in those places is even more vital than being able to offer it here in this country.
2: What's the rate of vaccination for girls and boys at this point?
1: So there are several different studies on that. Nationally, um, we know for girls, um, the percentage that get at least one dose is in the 50s, but the percentage that give Three full doses is much lower in the 30s, and for the boys, it's even lower. The percentage that get the first dose is in the 30s, and the percentage that get all three doses is um, in the teens. In Vermont, we're doing a little bit better. We're fifth in the nation, Um, but we can still improve our rates both regionally and nationally.
2: Is this covered by insurance?
1: Yes. And we have a great vaccines for children program in the United States where certain young people who um, are covered by Medicaid or are from certain minority groups get these vaccines for free. Mm -hmm. But private insurance companies also cover the vaccines. Mm -hmm.
2: Can you explain to me in terms I might understand why the use of condoms is not... Uh, 100% effective?
1: Oh, It's just because the condom covers the full shaft of the penis, but when you have sexual contact, you also have um, skin contact in the area below where the condom is covering. Condoms can also slip off sometimes. They can have small holes in them. So, they're not 100%.
2: If you're somebody that gets these I should au- mention also though
1: there um, are what we call dental dams that can be used also for sexual activity um, um on a woman's vagina if she's receiving oral sex that can uh, provide barrier protection in addition
2: okay if you get things like planter warts, which are some, p- another part of this virus mm-hmm. but not a as, different type of yeah are you more HPV likely virus. so if you get those warts, are you more inclined to get?
1: This? not that we know of at this point no no okay. that's a different vice virus type
2: so there's no there's no predisposition if you have one you get the other no okay let's go to middlesex hi wendy good morning
0: hi good morning i had a question for the physician in regards to um, secretor versus non secretor in regards to blood type and as i understand it's a more or less 80 20 rule um being non-secretors and 80% being secretors, secretors being our antigens get put back into our blood, which keeps us healthy. And if you're a non-secretor, you're more susceptible to disease. And is that a consideration when treating for this subject or cancer or any type of, I guess, uh, illness?
1: Um, so I'm afraid I don't fully understand your question and your language. I can tell you that if someone has the HPV virus, they can shed it um, and somebody else can get it. Um, your question might be better suited for someone a little more familiar with the study of immunology and um, how bodies um, and vaccines and medicines fight infections.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks for your call, Wendy. Um, so, Allison, if um, if you wouldn't mind me asking, uh, so talk to me about and tell our listeners about the impact that this has all had on your life, this whole kind of Kafka experience of having had cervical cancer. And I'm asking you in hopes that maybe it might encourage people to be more proactive.
3: Um, well, I hope it would make more pe- people more proactive. Um, it's been terrible. Um, I would say you know everyone everyone who I've met who's had a cancer diagnosis you know says it's life changing and you know there's these aha moments, but the dark side of that is dark um The work that I do to help educate people to make people not ever go through what I went through is because i Um, have been in really dark, painful places. I have had extreme, extensive surgeries um, that have put me in places that I've left my body just to be able to withstand. I've definitely had, you know, sort of religious crisis of why me several times. Um, It doesn't go away. There's continual... um, challenges after recovery um so you're quote unquote you know not showing signs of cancer that's great there's a lot of post uh, surgery challenges there's a lot of post treatment challenges which i'm riddled with um from bone density going down from you know menopause at 29 from hormone issues from lymphedema starting um Tons of uh, belly GI issues um, that put me back into the hospital often out of the inability to manage that. Having a low immune system now, having a very low white blood cell count. I mean, you can't hear me. I have a little cold now, which uh, we've all been talking about. I have to take care of these things. And, you know, when people don't get vaccinated, and I know that's one of those big issues and those topics... That's a problem for me because I am susceptible to a lot more things, which I didn't intend to do. Um, But I want to fight as hard as I can to tell people that this is preventable. I don't want anyone to feel that pain. I have a lot of empathy and emotion and passion for life and my friends, and I... I really don't want anyone to experience the dark places that I've been. I don't know how I've been able to come out of them, but I have, and I'm grateful for them, for the community, my friends who love me. That's really how people survive, Um, and it's taxing, and it's cheaper, and more affordable and emotionally affordable if we just uh, moved forward and did the preventative work ahead of time, and we'd have more time for... Uh, feeling better later on.
2: Are you in physical pain still today?
3: Constantly. Really. Yeah. God, that's a bummer.
2: Um, what What more doctor can be done to encourage people? I'll give you about a minute here. Well, oh. I think ongoing
1: education. Hold on a
2: second here. We. Oh, I totally misread the clock. Sorry. Um, we we're done. Yeah, we're done. Thank you, though. <laughs> uh, just remind education, people. Education, education. University of Vermont Medical Center, Davis Auditorium, Wednesday, 530, free. Lots of appetizers and drinks. People love free events with food. Thank you for both coming in. Uh, someone you love is the name of it. We were talking with Allison Hicks and Dr. Erica Gibson. That's going to wrap things up for hour number one. Keep your dial right here. This is FM 96.1 WDEV Warren. An AM 550 WDEV Water Ray Montpelier news is next.